Denise Welsh joins us on the How To Be 60 podcast this week. She has done a whole lot of living in her 64 years, but she knows what she wants her legacy to be. I think I am a poster girl for it's never too late. It's never too late to turn your life around. You know, I was 53 when I got sober. I was 50 when I met the, you know, the love of my life in Lincoln and the marriage that we have. I was 43 when I had Louis. You know, so a lot of people are thinking, oh, I've missed the boat, I've missed the boat. You haven't missed the boat. And I'm wondering how to be 60. It's scaring the shit out of me. I, you know what, I still quite like that music. I've always liked it. Have you? No, I have. I've always liked it. I, I, I can see why there's maybe merit in changing it now that you've reached the big six zero but I do like it I quite like it Anne Hegarty didn't like it did she it, no no no, no she, she didn't mince her words no no she did not like it the governess was not impressed so we'll, <laughs> we'll see what Denise Welsh makes of it um, our music is out for public consultation everyone do get in touch should we keep it or bin it uh, podcast at htb60.com uh, hello everyone this is me Kay Adams and her Karen McKenzie exploring life beyond the big six so I'm a bit worried about you and Denise Welsh I have to be honest Karen I, I'm really really not sure that you're going, to, you're going to get on. Oh, right. No, I mean, she's she you and she just could not be more opposite, right? So, Because yeah. Denise, she is often seen out crowd surfing at pop concerts. She does boomerangs <laughs> with Taylor Swift because her son is a rock god, you know. I know that. Oh, you knew yeah, that, did you? Well, I found that out two yeah. days ago. Oh, well done for the mm-hmm. research, Mark. No, 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 from no. 1975. It's my friend, Trisha, that was out walking with, she said... Because I was telling her you know that Denise Welsh. No, I, I probably use you know that dreadful way that you use her her stage name or her body name or whatever. Anyway, and she said, "Oh, seventy five, yeah." And she said, "There's a really lovely tweet with a picture of her, very proud, very proud mum." Yeah, 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 absolutely. Really nice. Yeah. So there we have Denise Welsh. You know, famous for God knows how many years. You know, um, successful in her own right. Got this rock this god going? son. Aye. And you have just confessed to me that you've taken up Nordic walking. Walking with effing sticks. Why does anybody do that? And then, as if that wasn't bad enough, you just put out this really embarrassing tweet. And you never tweet. No, I know it works. You never tweet. I think it's a waste of blinking down. However, when you've got a complete well, it comes po- into zone. It popped up on my feed and I thought, oh, Karen's tweeting. Karen's joined the social media world. It must be to promote the podcast, you thought. Yes, and what do we have? <laughs> why, oh, why can I not buy a replacement blade for my bread slicer? I is a bloody disgrace. <laughs> Honest to God. I, got a bre- I make probably about, um, hey, let me just think. Five or six loaves at go, probably once a month, maybe once every three weeks, right? Shut the fuck. <laughs> and uh, it didn't matter what time of day I started it, I'd always end up slicing the bloody loaves at half ten at night. And it just, I thought, oh, God, just when you're ready to go to bed, you forget that you've got to slice all these blinking loaves. So I thought, investigate bread, sli- um, bread slicers. So Lakeland got one. It was great. Are you still talking? Listen, after what, 18 months, the thing's blunt. And not really? just that, they don't sell your replacements. And this actually. What a waste. This actually, this is the most excited and animated that I've heard you in 30 weeks. No, do you weeks. know what? What's even better? They'll back to me today. They're sending me a full replacement. Ooh, get Apparently, because it's still under guarantee. But do you know what? I've gone through. <laughs> because the they're sh- legally obliged yeah, to. Exactly. But I've gone through the shop and I've gone through customer services. Hee haw. 
You go onto Twitter and it works. I, I did this with Paul Smith perfume as well. All right, okay, then we've had a, we've no, had one story. We don't need I just another say, one. Thank you. We're in your house today. Apart from the fact that I'm bloody freezing, I too I, I had the courtesy to take my shoes off. You didn't stop me. My feet are really cold. But my point is, I'm looking over and I can see a lovely picture of camper vans. Is that something for the future, Kay? Are you actually going to invest in a camper van? Are we going to go on holiday together in our respective camper vans? Well, just to keep it brief, no, 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 Why are you no. Having that why what is it then it's the, a picture of how many because this was the room that the kids used to use to muck about with their pals and it's like a teenage picture um it's very colorful habitat you can take it home with you if you like on the bus no. because you are getting the bus <laughs> um, no. nordic walking yeah it's brilliant it's brilliant you should try it well i know that you do a lot of walking but actually and you do get funny looks if you're in the street having come back from your nordic walk going around the parks it's great. I love it. It does Alice my head in. A... Why, why? Why do you need two oh. ski poles to walk? Well, it originated, I mean, obviously. Yes, but you're going around Pollock Park with a dog. I'm not. You're not langlaufing. I'm not going around Pollock Park. You Is are. your phone? Yes. Um... No, but but we do lots of different exercises. You run with them, you do squats with them, you do... You're a cheeky bitch. You know what? You're sitting there with our blue corded trousers on at the cheek to slack me off for my activities. And frankly... Not that I'm, not that you were talking about my fashion, but so there's a bunch of the, like ten of you over sixty 12. year olds who are all no, out in the no, park with I'm your sticks. Possibly, maybe the second oldest. Oh my there. god, they're I've got younger. to come and see this. You I've wouldn't got be to welcome. Come and see this. It's great. It's really good fun. Yes, and we yeah, it it. we were mm. away um, overnight and did a few walks uh, <laughs> overnight Nordic <this> walking. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was that would be dangerous. I think. Now listen, I've had an epiphany. Uh. About sex, and I know that Denise will have a comment on this. God. I was watching White Lotus. Have you seen White Lotus? I saw the first season. Yeah, because I boarded somebody's pass. Yeah, and I was thinking, I'm sorry, the suitcase. So there was a shot where two of the old people like were having sex, and it, you know, it was like, ugh. And that's always the reaction, don't we, to old people having funny. sex? We always think, ugh. I know. I and know. Actually, I thought. The problem is that when we see young people having sex, they are always beautiful young people. Whereas if we saw unattractive young people having sex, then we might not have such an extreme reaction. But on television and in the movies, you either see beautiful young people mm. or you see old people. Mm. And so the old people look really shit by comparison. Mm. But actually, Denise is having a coughing it's the fit. Skin, actually, it? is it the loose skin? <laughs> Yeah, I know, but but young people have loose skin too. I mean, young people, you get really unattractive young people. Mm -hmm. And I think we need a campaign to see more unattractive young people having sex. Oh, and I, I think, thought you were going to say a campaign for having older people having sex on well, screen. Yeah, no, we want that. We want more old people having sex and we want more unattractive young people having sex. And then I think that would that would sort of uh, breed acceptance rather than right. us only thinking that beautiful young people can have sex. Have you ever videoed yourself having sex? Oh, for fuck's sake. Well, no, have, you? You could... have you? No, but then you could watch yourself. Oh, oh people. my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, it's not unheard of, is it? Do you know what? You just constantly amaze me. You're sitting there in a cagoule up to your nose talking about <laughs> Nordic walking. And then you ask me if I've ever videoed myself having sex. 
You could you, we camcorded on in the corner. <laughs> and just warning for God's sake, don't do it. I mean, anyway. Shut up, right. We've got a couple of emails that we're going to speak to to disease. We've had an email from our horny correspondent. <laughs> <laughs> on sex. This is Carol in Orkney. And of course, Orkney, we know, has been renamed Horny. I can't even remember why. Poor Carol. Did, did it come up in your auto? Right. Yeah. Poor Carol. Look at her. Oh my God! She sent in a picture, Carol. I hope you're feeling okay. She sent it's in a picture. Horrific. Her face is so bruised. She's Aww. had a real nasty, nasty belt. She was. She says, um, oh. after being on the podcast, my 60th birthday in November, I trundled off to Oxford to do a wedding, uh, then went to London um, and managed on my first night in London. <laughs> Oh, that's a dog. Fell out of bed in the middle of the night, walloped my cheekbone in a wee table thing, headed face down on the floor, fractured my cheek. Um, Six weeks on, it's nearly healed, thank goodness. Um, It's... uh, I mean, oh my goodness, Carol, I hope you are feeling okay. But you know what it made me think? Mm. Is, have you got a bit more cautious in terms of, like, getting out of the shower and, like, stairs and things? Mm. I have. Have you? And I I think I'm going for a grab rail. Where? In the shower. I think it's time for a grab reel. Oh, are you climbing out of a bath? Yeah. Oh, can I just say, you blinking well slagged me off for getting a wet room, ditching the bath and looking ahead to my old age. And you now are getting a grab reel. Be sexy, Ms. Adams. Yeah, I'm going to get a grab reel. I absolutely have. I absolutely have. Um, And this one is from Gillian. She says, please look again into the benefits of HRT and getting the combination right. This is to you, Karen. It can take time to get the right brand and dose to suit you. This may change over time too. It took me two years to get a combination that suited me. And the only thing that helped my brain fog, like what you have, was testosterone, another very important hormone for women. Good luck, guys. It's funny. You don't think of women getting testosterone, do you? It's that moustache. Are you going to stick with the HRT for a while? I am. I am. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, because I've seen the merits. uh, Not seen in in terms of... Well, actually, there is a little flicker of a change, I think. Is there? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. All right, well, we'll give it another three months and let's see how it goes. Yeah, I will. What's the improvement? I'm feeling a bit frisky. Are you? Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you don't have sex with your dogs. Do you? <laughs> this has taken a terrible turn, hasn't it? <laughs> Listen. Can you control that animal? I don't, I don't know what that's about. I don't think she likes the word sex. <laughs> <laughs> she knows she's putting the crate. <laughs> Not with me or with anyone else. Oh, yeah, because you don't have sex with a dog on the bed, do you? Anyway, no. look, this has taken a bad turn. Keep the emails coming in. <laughs> Podcast at htb60.com. And uh, after this, we will be unleashing Denise Welsh. Denise, this is this is the longest I have ever heard you quiet. I'm just, did you fall asleep? What was it? No, I didn't. I was gripped and, and I was particularly gripped because you started it by saying that I would have nothing in common with Karen and I have much more in common with Karen than with you. Result. She's gathering I, herself. Look at her. <laughs> you may not think of me as someone who would who would embrace Nordic walking. But, I bloody love you. Oh, my but, God. Um, but I'm quite fascinated by it because I've come back from that retreat thing I went on. Hang on, Denise, oh. can I just say it, it's not naked Nordic walking? Is that what you're thinking of? <laughs> no, 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 I wouldn't want... I'm, I'm with Karen. Um, I drew the line at the sex with the dogs, but there's certainly <laughs> feeling frisky 
as a result of HRT is um, is I, I I completely relate to, and also not a bread knife but a blender. I've spent this morning in Blender Wars. So again, oh my domestic appliances. I'm with you all the way, Karen. You are another new best friend. Thank you. Lovely. Yep, absolutely. Oh, wonderful. I, do you know what? The world has rocked on its axis for me today. <laughs> yeah, Kate, I think you're redundant now. I, I, Just I'm gone. Cup of tea, I you? am bloody over. <laughs> I am over. So you're fascinated by Nordic walking? Well, I'm just fascinated in new forms of um, exercise for various reasons. I, as you know, Kay, have been addicted to many, many things over the years. But the one thing I have tried and failed to become addicted to is fitness. Mm. And so I, I am constantly in pursuit of things that I enjoy. And I am looking for different ways to um, find enjoyment in it. And that, to me, sounds quite... Um, I like the idea of a stick because I'm a bit of a nana up the hills. So when I got lost on this retreat in the Portuguese mountains on my own and I thought I'd never be seen again, I was scrabbling around the bush trying to find sticks (laughs) to help me up. So you know, I'm um, I'm I, I'm going to be looking into it when I come off um, come off talking to you too. Oh, so what makes you feel good then? Um, well, um, friskiness, like Karen. <laughs> it's new to me again. <laughs> it was interesting what you were saying about the um, about the older people portrayed on television having sex. I personally would be happy not to see sex on television at all. I don't like it whether it's young, fit people strappling about or whether it's older people. Not unless I choose that form of entertainment on a, in a private hotel somewhere on my own. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I can't even bear them kissing with those kissing noises. Oh my God, I hate it. God, you know, um, Denise, how long have I known you? And in the last five minutes, I don't know you at all. I mean, you just told me you got excited about blenders, you're yeah. into Nordic um, walking, well, and you don't like kissing retreat. noises. I've just been to a juice retreat. I think so that- that's why the blender... Um, I'm blending and juicing. So you've mentioned friskiness a couple of times. Um, uh-huh. Lincoln is how many years younger than you? Well, he's 50. He's just turned 50. So he's 14, 14 and a half years younger than me. So do you feel Thank the pressure to be frisky? No, I don't feel any pressure. He does, on the other hand. Interesting. Um, I um, I, I, I really enjoy sex more now than I have for a long time. I don't like... I don't necessarily like jumping around a lot. It's got to be, you know, it doesn't have to cause me too much bother on the moving <laughs> around stakes. Um, but I, um, I, I really, I really love sex, and um, yeah, in, you know, I, I do, I do, I, I, I enjoy it, and it makes me feel better. And um, I think probably that is a result of HRT, and I like it in the morning. But it is it is quite unusual. The next time you come into a morning meeting on Loose Women at Half Past Eight, I'll look at you differently, Denise. But you will. Um, it's interesting that you say you're enjoying it more now than you have in the past because that's not what the sort of common, um, you know, wisdom is. You know, you think. Well, no, but the thing is about 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 my life, as you well know, a a. A, there are many false narratives about my life in the press. There, there are many accurate ones also, but a lot of my um, antics that were 
heavily publicized, which you lived through, you know, mm. um, were as a result of alcohol and drugs and my self-medication. And so what appeared to be this crazy, wild, amazing time was actually a lot of the time, a very dark, depressing, horrible, lonely time. Um, where there wasn't really much enjoyment. It's just, I pretended there was because I didn't know how else to conceal what was, what, you know, what was going on, but I'm 11 years sober this year. Mm. So, you know, without even a sherry trifle, that's not true. I had a rum and raisin ice cream and I was fucking <laughs> legless. Um, but, um, but you know, that's a, it's a long time. So what I have gained in sobriety, including a wonderful marriage and a wonderful sex life is, is much more the true, the, the true me. I'm not saying, Kay, that I'm not rewriting history. I'm not saying that I haven't been a bit of a girl in my time. Of course I have, but I'm glad that I have, mm. you know, because I feel ready for my sixties to be as they are, which is an incredible time for me. Mm. Also because I know, Karen, you don't know my history like Kay does, but I've had three years free of a clinical depression episode. And for anyone who has suffered from mental illness as long as I have, which is 33 years, they will know how life changing that, that is. Um, and maybe this is totally coincidental, but it just popped into my mind. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we had Robson Green on the podcast. Yeah. Um, and you two were on Soldier Soldier together. We were, um, and many plays. Yeah, that's right. And and he, funny enough, he said, um, and obviously he's got a very different experience from you, but when he was on Soldier Soldier, like when he was the highest paid actor in the country, et cetera, et cetera, um, he was at his most miserable um, and he did not feel in control. He was also using alcohol in a way that he now looks back on and knows wasn't healthy for him. And it is so mm. interesting, isn't it, that a lot of the people that we look at from the outside as, oh, my God, they're at the top of the game, they're having the time of their life, are actually inside, as you said, well, you were desperately unhappy. Yeah, it's really funny because somebody sent me... Um, and, and I, I love getting these things that people send, but somebody sent me my episode that was found on YouTube. My Somebody I didn't know, just somebody sent it to me generously. It was my episode of celebrity stars in their eyes from something like probably 15, years, 16 years ago when I did Petula Clark. I think it was the easiest makeover they ever did because I looked exactly <laughs> the same when I walked through the smoke and when I came back out. But, um, <clears throat> and I sounded exactly the same as well, but never mind. But my depression on, on the day of doing Stars in Their Eyes was so crippling. I don't know how I did it. Looking back on how we talk about and, and relate to somebody saying, this is how I feel, I don't know whether I would have gone through with it because I was so poorly. I was crawling on the floor of my dressing room banging my head on the floor to stop the pain. And Matthew Kelly, I remember who I adore, wrote in his book, many in his autobiography, that the most nervous person he had ever seen on Stars in Their Eyes was me. And it wasn't about nerves. It wasn't about stage fright. I'm a performer. I know what stage fright is. It was the fear of being so depressed. But if I had to say to somebody, that's what depression looks like, I would show them that clip of me singing downtown 
singing, dancing, holding the, the mic. I looked like I was giving somebody a hand job, to be honest, because the, <laughs> the mic was going like that. But if you look in my eyes, knowing that, you can see there's a deadness. But to anybody else, you'd say, you want to see what depression looks like? That's what it looks like, because we cover. And... Um, I just don't do, I wouldn't do that so much anymore. You know, I had three breakdowns in Coronation Street in a four-year period. And now people stay off if they lose an eyelash. But, mm. you know, if you're from the show must go on. Um, I'm not saying that there aren't people in Corrie who do, but, you know, mm. younger people just don't do the apprenticeship that we used to do. And I know my younger son would be going, oh, mum, not the tin bath story again, but... It is, it is true, and I include him in that, you know. But on reflection, should you have pushed through? Was it the right thing to do? I think that you have to push through because, to a degree because you have an obligation. And when you're doing a TV show, as you know, Kay, there ain't no understudy to come on. And when you're doing, um, you know, when I was in Coronation Street, there was 21 million people an episode watching every week. And I was in four episodes a week. So you... And, and also there are there are so so many people that depend on you. If you just go sick, the whole ripple effect, it stops a whole a whole crew. But the fact is the show does go on somehow, but I never used to think it did. So I I pushed through. The only thing I ever in my 40 odd year career ever had to leave was a pantomime in 2004 at Stockport. And that was because I collapsed because I had had depression for three weeks and I was lying and telling my family and the people around me that I was eating, but I hadn't had a morsel to eat in nearly three weeks because for those who know depression, it robs you of everything, including the ability to eat. And um, my, my dresser called my um, then husband, Tim, you know, and he came up and he said, I'm taking her away. And, you know, they got another actress in on the day who went on with the script for three days until she um, until she learned it and the show did go on. But it's a review that I have always remembered. I remember it was the local Stockport paper, obviously under completely different um, hands, in completely different hands now, but this is then. And it said, it said um, I can almost uh, recall it verbatim. It said, Denise Welsh disappointed thousands of fans by um, pulling out of a pantomime today where she was the, playing the Wicked Queen, um, uh, Denise cited, in inverted commas, nervous exhaustion, that's what it put, whereas Susie Snodgrass, whoever was playing Snow White, um, whose name I wouldn't say anyway, but I can't remember it, but Susie, playing Snow White, braved a broken wrist wearing a pot on her hand to entertain the... Um, the, 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 the crowds <clears throat> and I just thought wow mm. that wouldn't happen now but I do remember feeling that if I'd been in a in a pot plaster from my toes to my head I would have gone on that fucking stage you know mm. and it was just how differently we viewed mental illness mine started when I had Matthew so that's nearly 34 years ago before I had him I've never had any kind of depression. I thought depression was the way that we flippantly use it still when we say, oh, God, I didn't get that job. I'm really depressed. You know, um, somebody's died. I'm really depressed. Not, not, not that grief isn't an absolute cause for emotional trauma, but it doesn't make you clinically depressed necessarily. So I 
I had never had any kind of psychiatric illness at all. And everybody thought I would have a baby and I'd be out at the nightclub two days later, especially my gay friends. That's totally what they thought that I would be like, because I had an amazing pregnancy. One of those typical blooming pregnancies, you know, where your hair's great, your skin's great, loved being pregnant, loved every minute of it. Had a husband that I loved. We had money in the bank. You know, everything on paper was right for the picking for this child. And, um, and so, you know, all that was fine. So when, when it happened to me, which is possibly four days after he was born, it was so horrendous and so sudden and so traumatic. I was incredibly lucky that my family, my mom, my dad, my sister, my then husband, never, ever once for one moment doubted that what I had was a serious illness. I was taken by my mum to the GP in London where I had him. And I lived, I lived in London for years and I was in an almost catatonic state. And the GP, lent, probably a woman of my age now, leant forward to me and said, um, well, I had five children, dear, and I just didn't have time to get depressed. Oh. Is what she actually said to me all those years ago. And it was interesting because probably the most unsympathetic demographic of people were my granny and her generation. Because they would all say, well, we just had to get on with it. We didn't have such a thing. Well, of course they did. Because mm. if you said to them, granny, whatever happened to Auntie Vera? They'd go, she went a bit funny after the birth. <laughs> and they just put people away. They put people in institutions who then became institutionalized. Similarly, with menopause, they did it, you know? So those people became people rocking in a corner with, with untreated, um, you know, problems. And it took me 20 years, Karen, to have the fact that my illness had a hormonal origin. You've just given birth to a child out of your fufu who has grown and you have grown another human in your body. But the fact that this might have a hormonal origin was absolute nonsense to people. The doctors didn't know anything about it. I had a very lovely GP in the North who said, please, if you have got any hormonal information, bring it to me and I'll absolutely help you as much as I can. But he had absolutely no idea. And it was 20 years later when I met Professor Studd in London and um, he found that I was so deficient in estrogen, he didn't know how I'd how I'd carried on. But yeah. in answer to your question, my family, I don't think I would have been here if it weren't for my family's support. Because when you are depressed, you don't want to die, you want to stop the pain. And that's how people make tragic headlines. And that's why mental health has always been the poor relation to physical health. That's why for ADHD, there is a two to seven year waiting list on for, for, for that diagnosis on the NHS. With a young person, that can be the, the difference between life and death. Mm -hmm. But my ADHD diagnosis, it, and so it's quite a recent diagnosis. We're talking maybe six, seven weeks ago. So I'm just coming to terms with it. And it doesn't change much, Karen, because I'm 64. I've lived with it you know, they say all of my life, but um, it has put a lot of things into place for me. Mm -hmm. And it's made a lot of things very clear to me that there are, I've always said there are no excuses for certain behaviors, but there are always reasons for these things. And it really does point out a lot of, a lot of reasons and just gives me a, a bit of insight into how to move forward.
it, it, it doesn't change anything, but it does make me think, you know, if only I'd known that I was ADHD, I would have maybe, I don't know what I would have done prior to having a child, but at least I would have been armed with the knowledge that I have a 75% more chance of having postnatal illness than someone who doesn't have ADHD. God, right. You know, with it and, and with addiction and, 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 and it all, it all makes, it, it, it all makes a lot of, um, a lot of sense, but it doesn't change who I am. And, and I know Kay would like me to stop interrupting, but like I've said, <laughs> I'll always interrupt Kay if I think she's talking shit. <laughs> That's right. Well, I think Sorry. I've been good. I've been good. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking because obviously the focus of this podcast is, you know, getting to this stage of your life. Um, so at 60, you, you have found out so much about yourself, haven't you? I have. I have. It's been, I can honestly say, when I see it written down, Denise Welsh, 64, and I'm going to be 65 in May, I'm not saying that that doesn't look pretty rubbish because I still think that as, as somebody as Doris Metcalf who hobbles to the shops with her walker, you know, that age on paper still looks old. But I feel physically and mentally better than I have done in years. My last episode was three years ago, which I chronicled, which led to my book, which I wrote, The Unwelcome um, Visitor. And since then, for reasons I have no idea, I haven't had an episode. And I spoke to um, a friend of mine, Dr. Anise Mukherjee, who is a big hormone doctor. She doesn't treat me, but she is a friend to another friend. And she said, don't question it too much. In the same way a perfect storm happens to create a, a, a breakdown or an episode um, of, of depression. Similarly, a perfect storm has happened to lift yours. I strongly, on a self-diagnosis point of view, think that something hormonally happened when I had a baby that triggered depression, that then, um, that then went on to be triggered by certain psychological aspects outside and that maybe something post-menopause has slightly righted itself. Mm. You know, because my dad died, we've been through a horrendous pandemic in which I was very vocal about my views, which brought me a lot of support, but also a lot of hate. You know, um, it was a very, very stressful time for us all. And, um, and, and yet, um, you know, and losing my dad, which is possibly one of the worst things that's ever happened to me. I don't mean that not my mum, but my mum lived with cancer for 20 years. So there was always something there that it was sort of expected for 20 years that we might lose her. Whereas with dad, it just wasn't. And um, I started to feel the tingling in my palms and the metallic taste in my mouth a couple of times when my dad, when we thought, my, we knew my dad wasn't going to make it. And I thought, here it comes, here it comes. It's going to rob me of the fucking desire to, to mourn my dad, you know. And, and it retreated. It's like a physical thing that retreats. And, you know, I understand more about it now. It's the adrenaline and the cortisol and the, the feelings that that, that, what, what that does. But it's retreated of its own accord. And it's very weird. But it also means that it's like... It's like a different world for me because I'm not living in fear of my illness for the first time in 30 odd years. I'm not saying it won't come back, 
I think it's highly unlikely it won't come back at some point. But it's not the first thing I think about in the morning and the last thing I think about at night. So what do you want from this next stage of your life? Because, I mean, it is interesting. You've always been somebody who's been in the spotlight. Now you've Mm -hmm. got two sons that are in the spotlight. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, Louis, of course, your younger son is doing really well in in, uh, acting, which is kind of chosen line. And, of course, Matt, Matty in 1975. So there's a chance you're going to be eclipsed, Denise. Mm -hmm. You're going to be the mum of. Does that bother you? I'm a huge... a huge TikTok uh, TikTok meme. So unfortunately, <laughs> I don't seem to be able to monetize it. But nevertheless, I'm I'm apparently mother to all, um, and uh, that was great fun with the Taylor Swift thing at Matty's show. The guest list. I've been on and on and on about the guest list stress. Having a son who's a rock star is wonderful, but the fucking guest list stress. You know, <laughs> it, I mean, I can't even cope with it. It's ongoing today. I bet that's what Matty say. Who have you got been meeting tonight, mother, that I've never met before in my life? The boys are doing well, not just career-wise. The boys are doing well up here. They're both great kids. Matthew's had his issues, which have been well publicised. I don't talk too much about that. That's his story. But, you know, I watch Matthew, and the main thing I'm thinking is there are 20,000 people in this arena who live for your lyrics, who know every single word to your songs. And all I'm thinking about is he's doing really well. You know, he's he's happy and he's got all his friends around him. Lincoln and I actually had a chat about it last night. We we tried last year to get our work life balance better and we succeeded. And it included going away quite a lot as well. You know, in a fortunate position to be able to have quite a few trips away. And we loved it. I have an amazing marriage marriage, which is the bedrock of my life. If that's good, I'm good. And I'm really grateful for finding that. And I think it's. It's good for people to see that because it's never too late. And I think I am, I think I am a poster girl for it's never too late. It's never too late to turn your life around. You know, I was 53 when I got sober. I was 50 when I met the, you know, the love of my life in Lincoln and the marriage that we have. I was 43 when I had Louis. You know, so a lot of people are thinking, oh, I've missed the boat, I've missed the boat. You haven't missed the boat. And I would just like to be able to have the rest of my days enjoying myself with my husband but it's funny January comes along and you immediately get onto the you get onto the bloody treadmill again you know and you're up and down to London and this that and the other and it's like oh my god um I just um I would be very bored not working but I am at a stage now I've said this to UK where I love working but I also love not working I'm not defined by my work anymore You know, I don't want to go away and do a theatre tour for six months, no matter how good and no matter how much money. I just don't want to do it. If I had to, that would be a different story. I'm a worker and I always have been, but I don't want to do that. So I'm in a position where I can choose not to work if I if I don't want to. But is there a sense of freedom, if you like, in actually being able to say honestly to yourself that you're not driven and defined by your work anymore. Yes, an absolute freedom. And a lot of that is down to my husband and the work that we create, you know, together. And he is the hardest working man that I, that I know. I've always been appalling financially, which again, ADHD. Now I'm just putting everything I'm shit at down to ADHD. <laughs> and there's no tablet in the world going to make me take a tablet and go, 
oh, is that a pile of accounts? Can't wait to get my teeth stuck into them. Sadly, that's just not going to happen. So I'm still rubbish at, at, at all of that. And I should have, you know, I should have made more of a nest egg than I, than I have. I've just been so terrible in business. But luckily, I have Lincoln now who, who, who helps with, um, with, 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 with all of that. And we, you know, we support each other's strengths and, and weaknesses. But I just, um, I want to spend more time in the sunshine with my husband and see my kids thrive and save for my rest home in Beverly Hills. Mm. <laughs> but you're doing a podcast of your own, Juicy Crack, unedited, candid, <laughs> unfiltered. It promises the real Denise Welsh. Whoa. I am. Yeah, Juicy Crack. It was um it was sort of a uh, it, it was sort of an organic podcast if that if that's how I say it. Matthew had said to me, Mum, the one thing I don't understand why you don't do, you're gob of the time. Why don't you do a podcast? And I and 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 I'll tell you what it was, Kate. It was laziness because the structure that you have now, and you know, you go into the place or into the office or into the studio and you set up and you know, and I was thinking I'd have to do it every Monday or Tuesday, and I'd have to book all the guests and I'd have to do all the things. And Matty said, You don't know, Mum. You said, you know, there are some podcasts that I listen to that it doesn't have to be a mental health podcast. It doesn't have to be a certain thing. It's just an extension of what you talk about on telly or on social media. And um, and so sometimes I do it on my own. Even I did one on my phone last week because I was at a juicy resort doing juicy crack and um and and it's and it's and it's building, and I'm really enjoying doing it. If Lincoln's there, I'll talk to Lincoln. If nobody's there, I talk to myself, as you know, I'm quite good at that. <laughs> and and I will start having guests, but it's not going to be where it's it's always about having having a guest. And the people who love me love it, and the people who hate me don't have to listen to it. So, but it's something that I'm I'm enjoying much more than I um I thought I would. And I just kind of like having the free freedom to say, well, maybe this week we'll do it about this, but then something else comes in. So we do it about we do it about that. So, like I say, it does promise the real Denise Welsh. It's like writing a diary. Who is the real Denise Welsh? Um, well, I'm a Gemini. I've got ADHD, so I've got lots of stuff going, going on. I think that I am very misunderstood by some I'm very loved by the people who I love and that's the most important thing and I know that deep down that I'm a nice person um I I have got more probably more opinionated and a bit more political through the last few years because I was so angry about so many things and some people said to me don't put yourself out there but I I felt compelled to, and I did, and I don't regret it because I had very strong views about a lot of which was happening. So I'm certainly more politically motivated um, than I than I was, and I don't think that's a, a, a bad thing. Um, and I think, just like you said before, Kay, I'm someone who is embracing the freedom of my 60s. I'm incredibly lucky to have good physical health. I'm definitely working more towards building on that because – Possibly, Karen, because of my diagnosis, um, because I, you know, I've employed a therapist and I haven't had a therapist for, for hardly ever because I don't need therapy for depression because my 
my illness is endogenous. And when I am in my illness, I can't talk to anybody, let alone a therapist. I've just got a therapist just to, to work out some stuff about me. And I still have a lot of guilt for some behaviors that no one is making me feel guilty about. But guilt is something that I struggle with on a daily basis. I, I worry about letting people down. Apparently, it's called compassion fatigue. And it's it's about not upsetting people who don't really mean that much to me. <laughs> you know, um, trying to sort of be the making everything all right um, for people that really can look after themselves. So it's just, I've just got some stuff to work on. Yeah, but people even then, I feel... I am a people pleaser. Lincoln's made me less of one because he's totally not a people pleaser. Um, obviously, he pleases people, as you know, Kay, with his swimsuit. Oh, um, God, I'm looking forward to doing a joint photo shoot in, with him for this podcast. Instagrams. Well, he said to me, I saw Kay the other day and I said, yeah, she didn't ask you for a selfie because you were fully clothed. <laughs> and he said, well, she knows she knows where our flat is. Well, I'm coming <laughs> down to work. London uh, the day after tomorrow. I'll be bringing my red swimsuit in the hope of bumping right, okay, into well, him. Right, OK, well, I'll make sure that I take his. Good. <laughs> OK. Um, so, so, yes, you know, I just think that um, I'm a great... I'm a great lover of women. And if anybody says that I help to empower women, then that's a badge that I wear very proudly. You know, it's like my swimsuit shots. I get so much flack for still posing in swimsuits at 64. But I don't care because, you know, if one person says, I was feeling really low on myself and I saw you in a swimsuit and you're in your 60s and, you know, you, I don't filter them because they're probably because I don't know how to. And um, so... You know, I, I just think that I don't want anybody to put us in a box, you know, and say you can't wear it. You can't wear a bikini at 64. You can't do this at 64. You know, uh, you've got Carol Vorderman, who's breaking the mold with saying she does. I've just been away with her saying she doesn't want to. She's not bothered about finding love. She's very happy. She's not hurting anybody. She has several people that she sees. Good for her. The only people who are going to criticise that are people who are stuck with boring old Bob that they've been married to for 900 years. You're so right. You know. Um, I just so hope she's I, wearing I a condom, does, but that's another it does, story. It does give us a freedom, you know, and 60 is absolutely not what, whatever you think of Madonna. I mean, bloody hell, look at her. I mean, you know, um, she's going out again on tour. I mean, part of me thinks just, why do you not want to stay home with your 90 children and have a cup of tea? But she's still out there. She's <laughs> my age. So well, I, I, I feel in a good place at this age. It's true. You would say of any 30 year old, your kids or whatever, live life however you mm -hmm. want to live it, however yeah. you want to live it. Um, so why wouldn't we say that to, to people of 60, 70, 80 or whatever? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's, um, I think yeah. it is envy, isn't it? It is envy. It's envy and jealousy. Mm. I think it's, it's, it's both. And I think a lot of people, Karen, you know, they, they had that attitude of, well, I made me bed. I've got to lie in it. You don't have to lie yeah. in that bed anymore. You yeah. just really don't, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah so I suppose yeah. it's a bit like, you know, you were saying when you were experiencing postnatal depression, you felt that a lot of the more unsympathetic characters were actually other women. Yeah. I suppose if you think it through. Other older, other, other, my granny's age women. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. they might have struggled 
and not got much support, but somehow got through it. And therefore, when somebody else comes along and says, I'm struggling, something in yeah. their brain says, well, I struggled, so you could struggle. Yeah. I think so. But Whereas, I think a lot of people who did who did get through it, there's a lot of people who didn't get through it and either, like we said, would have been put away or taken yeah. their own lives. But maybe the same thing with age. A lot of people's lives do shrink and they do feel less than they did when they were younger. And so if they see somebody else who's out there still doing their thing, Thing, it makes them feel shit. And well, that's so why a lot of, that's why a lot of people liked what happened during COVID. They became a community because a lot of people who were very bitter about other people's lives and very jealous enjoyed the fact that all of our lives stopped. Mm-hmm. So it was quite interesting the psychology of what happened during those during those years as well. Yeah. Um, I think you do lose confidence as well, don't you? As you get older, yeah, you can. I mean, across the board, you're saying even getting out of the bath. You lose confidence, but yeah. you lose confidence in your own. I mean, I think throughout, I think after you've had a baby and you're out of work for nine months and you come back to the workplace, boom, your confidence right in yeah. is, is down yeah. there. And it's a case of building up. If you work part time, you're kind of not included in everything. Again, your confidence. And I think it's slowly sort Cumulative. of you're fighting. Yeah. And once you get over 60 and then that invisible way, whatever, I think the confidence does go. I used to love, and this is completely nothing to do with anything, used to love going to the fun fair and going on the big, um, not the big wheel, the roller coaster. Oh my God, I would still do it now, but it would just give me the heave. I've just seen photographs yeah. of my daughter coming uh, on a big bungee jump and that just, you know, I know I, I did one last year. Karen. Oh my God, big respect for you. Is that right? I mean, I, I I was on a TV show, so I had no points. Oof. So I had to do. I was forced to do it to get points. But it was it was horrendous. But I, it was still an achievement, though, to have done it. Oh my God! Yeah, wow. Yes, I I could not have done that. Well done. You. Listen, it's time for a big six o bingo. Okay, well, it's number 15. There you go. Read out number 15. Okay, that's how I'm new best friend. Oh. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Go out Nordic walking that's together. Fine. It's going yeah, to be lovely. Yeah. In the camper van. Um, oh, what is your greatest pleasure in life? Um, oh, God. Um, f- food and sex. <laughs> in that order. <laughs> that's my girl. Together. <laughs> together. Together? Yes. Yeah. Really? No, not really. No. But food, food and sex are my greatest pleasures. That's sure right. sweet. Okay. What else have we got, Nathan? Next Another number. Twenty-three. Oh, we know this one. Optimist or pessimist? <sighs> Optimist. I'm hoping that. I think so. I yeah, think so. I think I am. I think I think I am an, an an optimist. I think I have had periods where I've been pessimistic, but I'm definitely an optimist. I think we have to be. Because there's so much city stuff around. I think we have to be. Well, I mean, an optimist. You really would have thrown me if you'd said pessimist, I have to say. And the final thing is what do you think of the music? Should we keep it or should we ditch it? Who is it? Um, uh, Artists Unknown. Do you not like it? No, I really like it because it reminds me of my sort of Cat Stevensy sort of era. So I really like it. Listen, Denise, thank you so much. It's been thank lovely you so much. to meet you. I really appreciate it. I really do. Karen, it's lovely to meet you and I'll see you when we go Nordic walking. Indeed, <laughs> I'll be sending you the deets. Please do. Okay, guys. Next week, will the real Sue Cleaver stand up? She's known to millions as Coronation Street's Eileen Grimshaw, but since going into the I'm a Celebrity jungle, Sue has decided to stop beating about the bush. <laughs>